This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 16th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The GOP spending plan is a budget buster. The president's infrastructure plan is also a budget buster. And while there are some real cuts in spending, overall spending is very likely to go up over the next two years. Chris Edwards directs tax policy studies at the Cato Institute. He comments. President Trump uh, introduced his long-awaited infrastructure plan last week. And one way to think about uh, Trump and infrastructure is he's uh, pushing four different sorts of policies. Uh, The first one is already enacted into law, and that was the corporate tax cut. Uh, More than three-quarters of all U.S. infrastructure is in the private sector, Uh, broadband and pipelines and that sort of stuff. Cutting the corporate tax rate will boost uh, private infrastructure investment. The second thing Trump's been talking about is deregulation. So it takes years and years and years of permitting and environmental regulations. Uh, These are barriers to new highway projects and the like. Trump is promising to reduce the regulations and the permitting process to speed up uh, investment by state and local governments and infrastructure. So that's a good thing. Uh, Trump's third piece is privatization and so-called public-private partnerships. Uh, Trump proposes to privatize uh, the federal government's electricity utilities like the Tennessee Valley Authority. He's promising to privatize the two federally owned uh, airports in Washington, D.C., National and Dulles. Uh, So that's a good thing. The fourth piece of Trump's infrastructure uh, plan is not so good, and that is spending $200 billion more federal dollars to try to induce more spending by state and local governments. So it's that spending part that is misguided and we don't need it. Uh, we should be thinking more about decentralizing infrastructure to the states. What do we know about the costs of uh, the inputs to infrastructure? Trump has talked about you know, limiting imported steel. Steel would seem to be a fairly important input to any infrastructure plan. It seems that that maybe they're at cross purposes. Right. There's there's no doubt that the Trump administration doesn't seem to understand that import barriers. It's not just about U.S. producers. There's a big issue uh, in you know in the cost. We want the lowest cost of production in the United States, and you don't do that by putting import barriers on. Uh, Trump, you know, on the other hand, you know, he is promising, as I said, to deregulate the permitting uh, for infrastructure. Republicans often. Uh, push uh, repealing the Davis-Bacon labor laws, which pushes up the cost of constructing highways. So there's a bit of a mixed uh, policy going on here from Republicans. Trump has talked about um, boosting infrastructure spending by $200 billion over 10 years, but his infrastructure plan is $1.5 trillion. That means lots of state and local uh, new spending, presumably, on infrastructure. And well, how does that relationship typically work with the Fed's kicking in some portion uh, for infrastructure spending at the state and local level? Well, currently, the the Federal Highway Trust Fund, which uh, is uh, uh, about $50 billion a year, the federal government generally kicks in about 80 percent for interstate highways and state and local governments kick in 20 percent. Trump wants to reverse that in his main new program. He wants He's saying that the federal government will kick in 20 percent and the state and local governments kick in the rest. Uh, I think the proper amount of federal money is actually zero. I think infrastructure, highways, 
highways. Uh, they're owned by state and local governments, and so state and local governments should fund them. I mean, the, the entire interstate highway system is owned by state governments, not by the federal government. And so, you know, to me, with ownership comes the responsibility for funding. We don't need more federal subsidies. Now, when the federal government kicks in money for infrastructure broadly defined, typically there are strings attached. Does this encourage states to go for the shiny new project, or does it encourage states to deal with things like sewers, the things that aren't really sexy in terms of uh, headlines or photo ops, but things that, simp that you expect state and local governments must do. You put your finger on something uh, really key, and that is for decades, the federal government has been trying to spur state and local governments to uh, spend on brand new, shiny uh, bits of infrastructure like light rail lines is the classic example. But the feds generally don't subsidize maintenance. So we've got uh, all these brand new light rail lines all across the country, which don't make any economic sense. And they're running into these massive maintenance problems, not just in Washington, D.C., but in other cities uh, like New York and Philadelphia as well. Uh, so that you're, you're absolutely right. It's a big problem when the federal government is incentivizing the states uh, to go out and spend on a lot of new infrastructure that they won't be able to maintain. Now, uh, in order to fund part of this, uh, Trump has proposed ending a lot of programs, trimming a lot of programs like Medicare, uh, ending the National Endowment for the Arts and National Endowment for the Humanities. But Overall, and those those might be perfectly fine things for uh, libertarians. Might cheer uh, some of those things, but uh, spending's going up. Uh, you're right. I mean, Trump's new budget, uh, like his budget last year, uh, has a lot of good spending cuts in that uh, Cato uh, Institute scholars would absolutely support. The problem is. Uh, just uh, last week, uh, Congress passed a uh, giant uh, spending increase bill, $300 more billion just over two years. Uh, so they completely ignored Trump's uh, budget uh, cut recommendations and, uh, and uh, are spending like it's a, a huge, huge budget orgy in Washington. So uh, there's a disconnect between Republican leadership on Capitol Hill and some of the reforms that Trump's budget chief wants to pursue. Now, Trump has said he's concerned, at least on the campaign trail, said that he was very concerned about debt, uh, is even the budget that he's sent to Congress, which of course aren't by any president, isn't necessarily taken very seriously by Congress, would that budget balance? Well, you know, it's funny. For years, Republicans, both in Congress and and uh, Trump last year in, in the White House, proposed budgets that would pretend to balance uh, at the end of 10 years so they could claim that they're for balanced budgets. This year, they have abandoned that. The reality is the gap between the spending and the revenues is so huge now. Uh, the deficit's going to be over a trillion dollars next year that even uh, Trump's budget director, Mick Mulvaney, who's a, you know, he's a good guy, he's a fiscal conservative, he's abandoned it. And they, and they don't even try to uh, balance the budget budget on paper anymore. So what is the what should the president be proposing? What should Congress be doing to you know close that gap? Well, all that said, to be optimistic, there are cuts, I think, that at least the Trump administration should fight for. Uh, we have a, a big farm bill up in front of Congress this year. Uh, that should be a good fight. The Trump, Trump administration has proposed some farm subsidy cuts. Farm subsidies are one of the most ridiculous uh, programs at Washington. It's basically reverse Robin Hood stuff. You take money from average taxpayers, you give it to wealthy farmers and landowners. Make no sense. So I hope uh, the administration and fiscal conservatives in Congress 
fight over some of those issues this year. I see news outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and others, when they say when they use the phrase crumbling infrastructure, they don't put it in quotes. They don't uh, characterize it as someone's opinion. It's just accepted as true that uh, infrastructure in the United States is, in fact, crumbling, that it's falling apart, and it needs to be replaced uh, lest we end up in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. As a general statement, it's nonsense to say our infrastructure is crumbling. Uh, we have good hard data on some things, uh, like the Federal Highway Administration puts out data on the nation's bridges and interstate highways. Uh, both have been improving in quality consistently year after year for 25 years now. The number of bridges that are uh, in bad shape has fallen and fallen and fallen. The problem is the politicians ignore the hard data and they just go for the ridiculous soundbite talking about crumbling. It is true that some government-owned infrastructure, as I was saying, uh, light rail lines, uh, they are in trouble. The Washington, D.C. Metro, a uh, horribly bureaucratic, unionized uh, system, uh, it is crumbling. It's falling apart. It's having all kinds of safety incidents. So government infrastructure, in some cases, is a big problem. And that's why I've argued we ought to privatize it. The D.C. Metro, for example, there's no reason for the government to own it. We can privatize it. Hong Kong's got a private subway. It's not subsidized. It's self-financing. We can and it's do that awesome. in America. It's awesome. I've that, used it. It's great. Right. Chris Edwards directs tax policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 